Welcome to The Kindness Project, the podcast designed to share stories of kindness and share how kindness can make positive change in our world, one small act at a time. In today's episode of The Kindness Project, we talk about soup, winter sports, and we have part two of our interview with Lisa Cable from Redfield Home Care. Welcome to The Kindness Project, ladies and gents. I am joined by a girl who is as cool as a cucumber and a man officially known as having a hot head it's russell dames how are we doing i'm fine thank you how are you <laughs> i'm fine thank you how are you i'm doing all right hot head how's your head today no my head's fine <laughs> look him playing his hot head down now last week russ all you were talking about was how hot your head was so what all, all our listeners want to know unofficial question just for you in the podcast how hot your head? My head's fine. It's lukewarm. Lukewarm head. We're sure he's not the one that's tall as a cucumber. He might know. He's a. He's as lukewarm as a. What? What thing is lukewarm? How would you describe something lukewarm? Well, it is described by drinks and water in it. Is it liquid? Soup. Lukewarm yeah. as a. <coughs> Malagatoni soup. Is that Malagatoni the one you have at room temperature? I don't know. No, don't that's know. a gazpacho. Well, well, well. Oh, gazpacho, that's it. Gazpacho yeah. is your, your lukewarm soup. Uh, not Malagatoni. Malagatoni. Malag- uh, Malag- How do you say it, Russ? It's not that. <laughs> How do you say it, Charlotte? I don't even know what you're talking about. Right. Gazpacho is the soup you have at room temperature. We know that now. That's... That's the soup that we're uh, that we're aiming for. But let's start with the question of the podcast quite early, because that is heat and cold related this week. And the reason it's um, the reason it's this week is because I've been watching quite a lot of the Winter Olympics this week. It's been really good. But I was telling Charlotte about the snowboarding, and what did you say? Got bad taste in winter sports. Now, what is the matter with the snowboarding, Russ? There's nothing wrong with snowboarding. Exactly. And what's better, s- like proper stunt snowboarding or uh, figure skating? Figure skating. Your opinion. I, I like a bit of figure skating. You called it flouncy, but I like the figure skating. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not saying I, I both take a quite a lot of skill, but the I just like an extreme sport. So I you, like a bit of skateboarding. Exactly. Oh, no. They're they're the ultimate. You know what? No. One of my I love that film, but please. Right, Cool Runnings is just a brilliant film, isn't it? Let's be honest. But one of my aspirations. Is not to be in the Jamaican bobsleigh team because clearly I'm not Jamaican. Um, unless I can, maybe I can no. find. It. Maybe I can no. find. No. Why are you saying no? No. Right, I'm going to do a DNA test and see if if I've got any Jamaican heritage and you do see that. if. Huh? Hmm? What? See if they have me in. No, you could check because if I've got Jamaican heritage, you might have Jamaican heritage. But if I check, there's no guarantee you've got Jamaican heritage because I might have got it from Mum. I bet everyone's Jamaican. She's as white as they come, let's be honest. Um, uh, but, yeah, if if I've got any Jamaican heritage, does that mean that I can... How far back? If I wanted to 
uh, do I be in the French Olympic team? How far back? I think it'd I... have to be immediate. It, it's two grandparents. It's two uh, grandparents, is it? So if we're in the national football, yeah. you can play for a foreign team, even though you're British, if two back of your grandparents was that nationality. Uh, and if if the same applies to Olympic sport, there's no way I'm I'm getting so, in the Jamaican football. If, if people of us could play football any good, we could have played for Belgium, Germany, or France. I know, I know that's amazing. Shame that we're both absolutely rubbish at football, Russ. Yeah, isn't it? I mean that 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 was a that was an aspiration that was never going to happen. But I am. Um, one of the things that, that is genuinely on my bucket list, and I know you can do it, is just go down a bobsleigh course. I don't want to go at like any sort of Olympic time or super speed, but just hurtling down a bobsleigh course sounds like a, a laugh. I don't, think reckon, they, I don't think they come with with the option to slow down or anything, so you can't just speed it once to go at. Yeah, but I'm, I wouldn't make it go any faster. I wouldn't be going for a run-up, put it that way. Um, I'd be just... No, definitely not. Anyway, the question of the podcast, thanks for your engagement, you two. You're a bit quiet tonight. You're... Uh, Sorry, I don't, I don't I don't, engage with people who are... <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. What? You don't engage with what? Um, I don't engage with people who are like that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, don't engage with people who call my, my favourite winter sports. <laughs> Flouncy. Well, it is a bit flouncy, isn't it? There's an element of, on ice skate, there is an element of flounce. Would you agree, Russ? Is it, Would you describe ice skating as flouncy? No. No. Oh, that's that done. I'm telling you. I think that takes a lot of skill to get on the ice and jump around and... It takes a lot of skill to skate full stop. I can't do it. Yeah. I, I always do, when I skate, I always do that thing where you've got a, it's like you're running just to keep balance and then... I've only ever been once and I held onto the side all the time. I went for an hour and a half and I fell you... 17 times. 17 times in an hour and a half? What did you, um, did you ever fall, Rose, when you went? No. I can't okay. it. He didn't right. have the chance. He didn't let go of the sides. That's it. Did, um, did your hot head melt the ice in any in any way? <laughs> no? no? Is that enough? Okay. So, the question of the podcast, ladies and gents, based on our bizarre conversation about uh, winter sports, is what's your favourite winter sport? You know, I, do you agree with me and think that snowboarding is amazing? Do you like a bit of skiing? Do you like something else? What is your favourite winter sport? Um, and you can get in touch with us in the following ways. On Twitter, we're at Ola Kindness. On Facebook, if you type the Kindness Project into the search bar, we will eventually come up, although it should be right at the top. If you go into the Google machine um, and you type... The Kindness Project podcast, we should come up top, if I remember correctly. If you want to go directly to our email, it's www.kindnessproject.co.uk. Nope, that's directly to the website. And then I meant Ola at the kindnessproject.co.uk. That, that's the email. That's you just completely lost it now. But everything you need to know is on the website, www.kindnessproject.co.uk, including 
every single episode we've ever recorded. How many are we up to now, Russ? 215. 215 episodes we've done. So if you like interviews with amazing people doing great stuff in the world, intersperse with a bit of dribble about hotheads, gherkins, bananas. What Barry else we spoke about? Barry's, Beryl, people called Barry and Beryl. You know, over that 215 episodes, there is a lot of nonsensical waffle. Feel free to take a look at the website. There's a lot there. Russ, did you want to say something? You unmuted, yeah? No, I was just thinking about the Buster Granham. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was, a, that was a classic episode. That was proper Granham. random. Yeah, and, and Russ gets to... I mean, what I do feel for you, Russ, because literally you have uh, listened to every single episode <laughs> multiple times. I have. What have you done to deserve that, eh? Be your so I answered the phone. That was my first mistake. <laughs> <laughs> you should have just, you know what? I made the suggestion last time, Russ. If your head was in an ice bucket when that phone rang and you hadn't picked it up, you might not be the esteemed producer of the Kindness Project. No, you most likely would have called back. <laughs> yeah. All right. Would, right. Sophie asked a really interesting question, Russ. Yeah, go would, would your. Hot head be cooler or the ice milk first? My hot head would be cooler. That's not fun. <laughs> Sophie's not impressed by that. Anyway, let's move on to kindness news. And the first piece of kindness news I've got to say is oil donation means that Wiltshire family can uh, heat home. Go on in, Charlotte. A Wiltshire man is able to heat his home after an anonymous Good Samaritan donated 500 litres of oil. Harry Live, 36, told the BBC, despite him and his wife Kitty both working, rising energy bills meant they could not afford to heat their home in Crookdale. This was uh, this was in late January. Since the interview last week, an oil tanker arrived at Mr Lay's home and delivered the family heating oil. He said it's remarkable, and for us it means it we put the heating on and not have to worry. Mr Lay said the family are still being frugal with the oil and hope it will last them for several months. Speaking to BBC Radio Wiltshire, he explained delivery out uh, was out of the blue and was completely unexpected. We still to this day don't know who it was he added. It's a fantastic feeling. We're so grateful and hopeful. Hopefully one day we can pay that forward. You just And return the fame to somebody else. <laughs> Mr Lay said his motivation for talking publicly about a situation was not to feed poverty but to highlight that many people are in the same position. Since the donation he's had decided to campaign to try and make a difference for other other people. That's really important for me. He added, my plea to the Prime Minister Boris Johnson and to the government is to please come up with a deal that is mutually beneficial to everyone. Because there are so many people out there who are going to be affected. People with children, the elderly, people with mental health and dis physical disabilities. These are the people that we still need to be looking at. And you know what? I think, I think what's really interesting is the fact that um, as co the cost of living goes up, um, uh, including... Uh, energy prices in a big way. I, I, I actually agree. I think a lot more people are going to be in this position and we need to do what we can as a society to see how we can potentially help. Yeah, don't we? What can we do? What can we do as a society? Um, I don't know. No. Um, we're, we're out of ideas here, Russ. What, what do you reckon we could do? Um, 
No, I'm all out of ideas. Well, I'll tell you one thing we Boris could do. Stop having parties and sort this mess out. <laughs> that, that's one of the things. Oh, we don't mean to get political. No, we're not getting political. Um, right, and let's move on to the next part of the show, which is the second part of our interview with the amazing Lisa Cable. Uh, Lisa and I had talked about all things business, all things doing good in business, and why kindness and values are at the heart of everything she does. Um, let's say, Galeza, I mean, I, mean I, well, I think we've had this conversation before about that alignment between values and business, because, you know, I've worked for organisations where, you know, large, larger organisations where, you know, it was just that values on a wall. When you go, well, actually, you know, the behaviour of the people running that business weren't aligned to those values and it felt a bit hollow. <laughs> but certainly what I've learned, particularly over the last few years, is actually in a smaller organisation, we've got the opportunity to actually live and breathe those values throughout the day. Do you think it's easier to sort of run a values-based business with a smaller company, or, or or do you think that the principles apply to businesses large and small? I think for a small business, it's, re- it's easier probably to communicate those values because you've got less, you've ultimately got less people to communicate, less people that work in the organisation and more people then that sort of see the actions that you take, that live and breathe the values. Yeah, Yeah, I think we have talked about this before. I've worked uh, for an asset management firm, the company I mentioned earlier for for 20 years, since I was 16. Um, You haven't got to rub it in. All right, I do. I love the cows. They were were a very values led organization. They live by their values. They live by their values. You know, like an example was, you know, they look up theirs was something like, you know, we look after our employees. It was probably finessed a little bit better than that as a value. But, you know, in the experience when um, Paul and I were both 21 and his dad passed away. And we both worked at the same place. They just immediately said, what do you need? Have a couple of weeks off. You know, they were so supportive. They helped just involved in like the legal legal stuff that really wasn't something that they needed to get involved with. They helped helped and they supported us. And I think they saw us as sort of young people as well at that age needed that support. And and I think that they're the times when, you know, the values really come into play. Really? Yeah, Yeah. All still works there now. And I dread to think how long he's worked there. Probably 25 years, I want to say. He, um, he started when he was 16 as well. Rub it in. No, he, I mean, started you have... he started when he was 18. <laughs> he when he was 18. But he's, he's worked there a long time. And I think a lot of the people that work there have worked there a long time. And I think it's because they say these are our values. They live by the values. And yeah. therefore people know where they stand and they like what they yeah. stand Consistency, for. Consistency, right? Yeah. You know, yeah, and I've got examples even for me and for Paul across those years that we've worked there where those values repeatedly, you know, come yeah. out. And, you know, he's fortunate now that they take a great view on kind of work-life balance and he does a couple of days from home. And yeah. But you hear other people being very cynical about why their organisations make decisions, but you're never cynical about their reasoning. They're just, they are who they are and, you know, they, they yeah. kind of live by those values. So it's... I think it can be done with bigger organisations, I guess. It's harder. It'll be a bit more difficult, but yeah, yeah. But I think having worked there and 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 I think it just reinforced me the importance of working in a values-based company, whatever you do, yeah. and then kind of sticking to and living living by I agree. I agree. Just, <laughs> you know, a good 
And I, th I think one of the key components, as you say, is just down to the people you recruit. You know, do they share those underlying values? Because I think, you know, I, you know, and again, my, I've made plenty of mistakes as a, as a business owner, but one of the major mistakes I've made is recruiting people who uh, who didn't share some of those underlying values. So they're, they're coming to work every day, actually driving the business in a different direction because they're not, they're not aligned to, to what we're trying to achieve in terms of values. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think people are so important to your business as well. So that they are kind of really, they are the business, aren't they? Certainly yes. what we do. They are 100%. the business. <coughs> yeah, 100%. Now, what, what I love about your firm, and, and I think it comes across um, really well, is uh, I think sometimes perceptions of care is you know somebody coming in and doing the minimum level to uh, make sure that individual's okay um but what you do is actually focus on not only the like sort of what they need to be cared for but what they the way in my head the way the way that i explain it to myself is not only like sort of quality of care but also quality of life and doing some of the stuff that people are really going to enjoy and create memories from so talk to me a little bit about the work you do there so i think for us it's about just seeing the person as a person i think care yeah. traditionally has been about a list of tasks that need to be done when you go in to, to visit somebody yeah. and i think for us it's just saying to people these are people that we look after and we support yeah. And aging is a really hard thing for people, isn't it? Because they have got this identity that they've had throughout their life. And as you get older, it's a bit of an insult to that identity. You can't do the things that you used to be able to do. You can't, um, you're just not that person in, in certain aspects of your life. But I know, so, even in my age. If, yeah, you uh, don't feel, I think like, you don't feel any differently, I don't think, sometimes in your own head. And Yeah, so, so I had a conversation with my dad about this the other day. And he said to me, uh, so my dad's 73. Um, and he said, I still feel like I'm 22. Yeah. Uh, but physically, you know, it's just, you know, I, I can't do what I, what I might want to do. Yeah. So I think it's about trying to understand the person as they are now, because you can't obviously ignore the fact that there may be some sort of challenges that they've got. Um, but then also trying to understand the person that they were, what's important yeah. to them, you know, asking questions, you know, what, a bit like you asked me, you know, what what is your most kind of important relationship? Like, how would you describe yourself? And and I think kind of just trying to ask people those types of things, and or asking their families what they are looking around their house. You can see typically, you know, photos, and it's just yeah. trying to engage with those people um, in a level that is yes, you're doing those human. Tasks, you're doing yeah. It. yeah, it's human. It's about the connection, um, and and sometimes you can undervalue small interactions. So yeah. when you go in and you smile, you know, that's a really big thing. It can be simple things like knowing what music somebody likes and kind of playing that in the background. It's it's just, I think, just looking at them as a person. And sometimes you can do really big things for people like, you know, I don't know, take them out and do things kind of like that, that, that 
you know, but often it is the small things that really kind of make yeah. the difference for people. And, and, yeah, and I, suppose, I suppose it's about personal connection because we've lived in a in a world over the last couple of years where personal connection because of COVID has been limited. Um, and, and, and just bringing that personal connection back is really important, right? Yeah, yeah, and I think everything to me, to me, in the way that I am, I think, and is yeah, that is the probably the most important aspect <coughs> of what we do is is about that human connection. Um, like we're social beings, right? Human connection yeah. is is an answer to kind of deal with a lot of the the problems that that kind of exist and conversations and and relationships. And so for us, it manifests itself in. You know, once we know that a client and a carer have got a great connection, it's just trying to provide as many opportunities for that carer to be with that client because I think that yeah. obviously really helps because it's also about familiarity, isn't it? And you know, connections built over periods of time. It's not something that happens almost. Yeah, yeah it's, almost a, it's a relationship, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah relationship. Um, and yeah, I think I think that it's also important to not be false with people and it's it's just about I, I guess kind of showing up in a really genuine way with people um and it really does come down to and I probably keep saying the same words but it is is it's about that person and trying to understand them yeah. not a task the human being that you're yeah. helping yeah and it's it's about <coughs> you know you can sometimes see the things that they can't do I can't do this they can't do that but there's so much they can do things that they can do like an example would be um which i think is quite powerful it's a small thing but quite a powerful thing is you know if somebody you know can't physically do something anymore if you ask them for advice like they want to have a bit of purpose if you say to somebody oh like i'm making a cake or i'm doing this what advice would you have what how would like how do i start what do i need to do and yeah. actually finding out what things in ways they could perhaps help you by giving you advice um, I think helps reinforce their kind of identity, their purpose, and that's really important for people because as you get older, that loss of purpose. And you mentioned it with Russ earlier when you, when your mum passed away. It's that it's that feeling that someone's lost a purpose. If you can't get that purpose back in some way, it can have a really detrimental effect on your physical health, your mental health, feeling lonely. So it's it. it yeah, it's just looking at people and understanding, I guess, some of the psychology of people and, and things is is important to us. So, so I, I mean, I, I, I love this subject. I mean, because I'm a purely amateur social psychologist because it helps in my work because we, we support people who are approaching that transition point of saying, well, I've left this career that I've spent X amount of hours a week doing, but also provided me with a, a financial resource, but also gave me a reason to get up in the morning and, and actually go and go and deliver. How do you navigate that change where you, you, you might not want to do that anymore, but also, it, you know, losing that purpose was is difficult. There's a really good book that I've read recently um, about happiness, by a, written by a guy called um, Paul Dolan, who's the uh, head of behavioural psychology at the London School of, School of Economics. And he talks about just getting the right combination in our lives to make us happy of both pleasure and purpose. 
And he talked about the fact that, um, you know, if it was all pleasure, if we were completely hedonistic, and actually our lives would, wouldn't have any meaning. But if it was all purpose, it would all feel like too much work. So, you know, it's all about maintaining that balance. Really good book. Um, I'd, I'd, uh, I'll, put the, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Um, definitely, definitely worth reading. Um, uh, so talk to me a little bit. I mean, one of the things that we've talked about, particularly in the last couple of years, and we've interviewed a few people on this particular subject, is um, loneliness, particularly during the pandemic. Yeah. Um, now... I'd imagine that you've had, you know, clients who have suffered from loneliness because, you know, they've not been able to have that human connection. Tell us a little bit about what you've done to support that, but also, you know, your thoughts and feelings on on how you can best help, uh, you know, members of our community and uh, to, 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 to deal with that. Yeah, so we, Radfield actually did a study on kind of loneliness and we looked at um, different people and how they experienced it and and the results were about 50% of adults over 60 said that they felt lonely during the pandemic, which is quite heartbreaking in a way yeah. that's that's the kind of level of it and like we said obviously it has the profound impact on like people's physical health as well as the, the mental health and ultimately it can impact life expectancy as well so it's not something that we can kind of ignore I think for us it's also understanding that there's a different level there's different types of loneliness which I think is really important so people and older people obviously at more risk of of experiencing different types of loneliness so you can feel lonely because you've lost like an intimate connection with somebody which might be a husband or wife or a best friend but somebody that you kind of I guess can feel that you bear your heart and soul to in a certain way yeah. obviously older people at risk of that more type of loneliness then you've got the kind of um the relationship sort of loneliness or relational loneliness where you you know you feel like you've lost kind of friendships and connections with kind of people in a wider circle and then that collective loneliness you don't feel like part of a community you don't go to the groups that you used to go to you don't go to church whatever that whatever that is and I think it's really important for me it's a bit of a passion of mine to try and understand a bit more about it because I think you, you know, somebody's suffering loneliness because they've just lost their partner, taking them out to a community group might not be the right thing because actually you're, you're putting them into a setting. It's not really addressing the loneliness that they're yeah. kind of experiencing. That, actually, that level of deep companionship is different loneliness. Uh, exactly. and, and, you, yeah. and, and what you therefore do... <coughs> support those people with different types of loneliness is really important for some people it might be joining a community group they've got that collective loneliness is absolutely the right thing to do and particularly if it's a group that maybe has got a purpose attached to it that that would kind of be a really good good thing for them to do so I think it's just trying to understand the person if somebody's lost their you know their partner in life or or a or a really close friend it's maybe you know it, talking to them about that person it's it's a, just a different type of I guess prescription or a different type of activity or a different type of way that you would handle it yeah, so I think yeah. actually un, it just keeps going back to it's just understanding the people and on different levels be more human is the, is yeah, the, is the general yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah just be more human and yeah and just try to understand people and you know the things that they're going through often we have experienced at certain points in our life as well yeah. so I think it's kind of drawing on your compassion and, and actually there was some something I went to a seminar last week and the thing that they said 
um, I think is a great thing. It's default to compassion. Yeah. However you deal with things, if you default to compassion, then you can't really go wrong, can you? Because in every kind of circumstance, you're dealing with people in a, a compassionate kind of, of manner. Yeah. yeah, care first, you know, just like that. Yeah, just, you know, you know that having that, I love. Default to compassion, I love. And I also love the tip uh, uh, around um, be, being in a situation where you ask for advice because uh, you know just imagine the amount of life experience if you've lived to 80 or 90 the amount of life experience you've had um uh uh, uh it, but at an age where often i think people feel useless you know and just say you know teach me you know help me understand from your pers and again i think sometimes as younger people i mean clearly you and russ are younger than me but younger people um uh we can i'm still i'm trying to i get i get in a lot of trouble for this thing i know he's not he's not coming on he's, he's, he's not coming on uh, but, but i get in a lot of trouble for this because i i always put the circle of younger people around me i just find a way to like like when i get to 45 i will be going like i'm, I'm under 50 i'm still young <laughs> um uh but but yeah like younger people i think we forget about the life experiences that these people have had and what we can potentially learn from them do you know yeah. what i mean there's so much there yeah they're, they're, they are the kind of elders of the community aren't they really yeah, yeah. i think if you kind of see it like that we we looked after a gentleman who um was in the war and but he's his best story was um if you asked him about his wife and how they met and what she's what sure uh, we did a video on it actually but he he said something you know you'd ask him you know what's your tip for life and it would be like well tell your wife or your husband or whatever you that, that you love them and that you know and he was like and that's what i did every day that's a great tip and you know it is a great it is a great tip and he'd gone through many obviously lots of many experiences in his life and and it's a great tip in it and and for him and you can tell because you know we've got we've got relationship with his um his son and two daughters and you can tell that that's the impact that he's had on their lives as well that that you know just it's so simple but actually he loved telling that story and it gave him a purpose because he was passing on that to, to what he saw as you know the younger generation as we like to see ourselves yeah. obviously <laughs> There'll be a point where I won't, I won't be able to validate that anymore. But I'll, 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 I'll carry on forever uh, until I can. But yeah, that 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 that's fine. Talk to me a little bit about how you think. Because the other thing that we try and do a bit is just find projects that we can support. So one of the things we did at Savello was. Um, uh, 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 sponsor a financial education program at a school uh go in and teach the actual young people um uh a little bit about money because I, I believe that um certainly having those skills and attributes at an early age is, is really important uh did a bit of that sponsored a local kids football team you know we we sort of help and support the community in a bunch of different ways what other ways do you think businesses can think about giving back yeah, I think it's, it's funny because I, I spent some time thinking about this from, from our point of view. And I think it's also about looking after your staff. I know that's more of yeah. possibly more of an internal thing than a kind of external. It's not because the impact they can have. Yeah. So, for example, we pay all of our staff over and over the national, the real living wage. 
the new yeah. thing, uh, that's been kind of a new thing. The new rates have been announced this week. That's really important to us because it's it's saying that we appreciate what you do and we pay at a rate in which we that represents a kind of real living situation rather than looking at you know say the minimum wage. That's that's really really important to us. And I think there's more we can do with staff. It's it's a you know. <laughs> That's kind of a building block, of, I guess, as kind of a starting point for us. Yeah. Um, but but it's a really important one. So we we did a similar thing because we we've just recently re- recruited to, uh, via the kickstart scheme. Oh yeah. So we 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 got funded up to the national minimum wage, uh, and we didn't feel that that was enough of an income uh, to to even for a young person to start with that. So we added I think it was two pound fifty an hour onto that so that they had a uh, sort of um, uh, sort of thing. And I, I suppose there's a lot you can do to um, just show you care with the staff. So we, um, I started to cycle to work and her who worked with me, I said, look, you know, I've, I've done that through the business. If you want us to get a cycle to work scheme for you, quite easily add, add it on and, and now he's cycling into work. Um, but the weird thing is, um, uh, I, I was, I was, I just didn't have time to go out and buy a helmet uh, for the first couple of days of cycle to work, and Cassie told me off about not having a helmet. So she came in and she'd got both her and I a helmet, oh. and that sort of it feels like it feels really personal, but it's because she cares. Do you know what I mean? It's that yeah. sort of element of like I want to make sure you're okay. So yeah, it's yeah, it's an interesting one. But yeah, looking after your people, I think is is fundamentally uh, fundamentally important. So we're coming to the end of the podcast now. Thank you so much for uh, joining us and chatting about kindness and business. Uh, tell us where people can uh, people listening can find out a little bit more about you and uh, a little bit more about the work you do. Uh, probably the best place um, is Facebook because we put a lot of kind of content and information about us and the things that we do within the community. So that's Radfield Home Care Havering on, on Facebook. And then just uh, if anyone wants to kind of chat with us, then then kind of call us at the office really is probably the kind of best place to, to start really. And, and, and I'd encourage all of our listeners to uh, say I love you to your significant other every day. I think that if you're going to do anything, start there. Start there and your kids, I think, just telling them. 100%. Uh, telling everybody, I think knowing, making sure people know what they mean to you is really important. I mean, I can, can we, I'll I, I tell Russ I love him. Not every day, but I'll tell Russ I love him. And he's still not going to come on the podcast even if I say that, are you, Russ? <laughs> Definitely <laughs> not. not. <laughs> Definitely not. All right, Lisa, thank you so much. Have a great day. Speak to you later. Bye. So that was the interview with Lisa. That was good, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, nice, isn't it? Um, oh, yes, nice. You know what? I'm a bit obsessed with that video at the minute. Yeah. I, I mean, literally, it pops up on my Facebook timeline, and now I'm li- watching it about three times a day. I know. I can hear you watching it three times a day. You just go in at the age of... How old do you reckon you were? I don't know. It was donkey years ago. Don- you, were, you were donkey donkey years ago... Uh, uh, old um, and it was just you going nice isn't it have a nice day yeah, how often do you watch it Russ as it's your birthday video <laughs> once a year once a year <laughs> I'm a bit obsessed I'm watching it about three times a day what video do you watch most often or don't I want to know <laughs> <laughs>
What video do you watch about your stuff, then? I watch a lot of tech videos and that sort of stuff, so... Tech video, techno, 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 techno. No, no, techno, tech. All right, okay, fair enough. Um, and on that note, tis the end. No, tis the end of another podcast. The end is never really the end because the end is always the beginning of something entirely new. And on that entirely new. And on that, on that, that was that in aid of us going to Scotland next week. <laughs> okay, the new. Uh, entirely new. Right, and on that note, last week's version of the podcast was. Um, what is your favourite quote? And we had quite a lot of these. Dominic Thomas said, I have a dream. Steve Dan said, I have a cunning plan. Russell Dames said, Charlotte's completely ignoring the notes. Russell Dames said, if I've seen further, it is by standing on the shoulders of giants. Mark Bartley said... It was an awful big adventure. Neil Bage said, can I have two? Both from Carl Jung. Your vision will only become clear only when you look into your own heart. Who looks outside dreams? Who looks inside awaits? And until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life and you will call it fate. Love both of them. Chris Bud, uh, I'll go for Blaise Pascal. I'm sorry I wrote you such a long letter. I didn't have time to write a short one. Sophie is wanting to get involved in the podcast. Why is that? I just want to say something. Go on then. I just beat my best time. Well done. Well done. So if he's playing a game on the PlayStation, you're just being the best time. Uh, Anthony Rafferty, Rafferty said, my favourite is from Mark Twain. I've lived through some terrible things in my life, some of which actually happened. Tony Slimming said, be the change you want to see in the world. And that's from Gandhi. Uh I don't know how to say that person. Graham. That's such a weird way of saying Graham. It's so unique and fun. <laughs> <laughs> Is it weird, unique or fun? All three. All three. Uh, Graham McMillan said, whether you think you can or think you can't, you're right, uh, by Henry Ford. Uh, Will Robbins, this is weird, unique and funny. <laughs> Apparently, Howard Moon just said, can I have a crisp? <laughs> I've never heard that before. Um, Harry Webster, um, uh, Quoted Eisenhower, plans are worthless, but planning is everything. everything. One of my favourite phrases. And on that note, my friends, um, that is it for another Kindness Project. We will see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.